Superkicks.com offers cool streetwear and apparel at great prices. Shipping worldwide, thanks to the guys at Superkicks, you can get 10% off your order by using the code SWN at the checkout. That's Superkicks.com, pro wrestling apparel. Welcome to the latest edition of the SWN Podcast. I am your host, Billy. As always, uh, I am joined in this edition by uh, Tier Zero, Taylor Bryden. How's it going? Absolutely fine. Like, uh, really pleased to actually get a chance to actually speak to you, Billy. Um, yes. I've never really done one of these before, so it's, it's good to actually get a chance. Yeah, I mean, well, of course, I, I would have seen you wrestle for a number of years now when, when uh, W3L comes up, up this side of the the country so uh it's nice to actually speak to you um it's not often i don't find a lot of interviews with you so i don't know if, if you just don't get asked or if you're quite private or what but uh hopefully we'll, we'll uh, be able to delve into your 16 years in pro wrestling um yeah definitely but you're not escaping the first question the first one's always the same how did you get into pro wrestling what got you hooked um well i didn't actually know what wrestling was until i was maybe about 11 years old and I'd heard people mentioning like Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock. And at the time we didn't have Sky. I think that was the only way that you could watch wrestling back then. So I'd managed to get like a couple of like recorded tapes that my friends had recorded Monday Night Raw for me to watch. And like since I started watching that, I just thought it was larger than life. And I just really wanted to to keep watching it. So when we got Sky, when I was maybe like 13, I just completely binged on wrestling. Yeah, we always know one guy. Oh, we always had one friend that had like Sky Sports or something like that. Yep. And was able to get it. I had, I've still got them, uh, but my, my folks have still got boxes of VHS tapes because um, my friend fell out of wrestling, but his dad always stayed up and taped it off uh, his box office. So yeah. tapes and tapes of stuff, um, original, uh, unedited, not on the network anymore kind of stuff. Um so yeah, so who's your first, so Stone Cold was the name you heard of, but was there anyone that kind of caught your eye initially? Uh, well, I started watching wrestling in like 1999, but I didn't seriously start watching until a little bit later. So I think probably Cactus Jack, uh, because of the street fight with Triple H, yeah. and Triple H himself, and Jericho. Like, those are the... the Sort of three people that I remember most from that era, and then slightly after that, when The Undertaker returned, I suppose The Undertaker and Kane would come into it as well. Oh, that, that's my sweet spot then, 2000, 2001. That's yeah. that's the I'm, I'm, pre, I'm pretty much the same boat there, and I started kind of 99, but 2000 was when I proper got into it. Uh, yeah. Channel 4 helped by having Heat and having Royal Rumble uh, 2000, which is amazing. Uh, just that, that whole street fight probably one of my favourite matches of all time as well just because it's just brutal um, yeah it's a brilliant match so 11 years old 1999-ish kind of time so what made you decide to go from watching to trying to do it um, well I kind of set my mind by 2002 that I really wanted to to be a wrestler and I thought at the time, like, because internet wasn't a massive thing back in 2002. You weren't, it didn't, not everybody had the internet, nobody had access to the internet all the time. So I was kind of like looking in papers and stuff like that. And I'd seen like a training school down in Manchester. I think it was maybe FWA at the time. Um, and I really wanted to go there, but I wasn't old enough to go down myself. So I'd kind of been in my mind since then. And I just randomly seen in the local paper to us, the Fife Free Press, that um, W3L was starting up in 2005. And funnily enough, W3L actually started up on the 13th of March 2005. That was the first training session they ran as a school. So actually, if we'd been recording this tomorrow, it would have actually been on my 16th anniversary of starting training. Oh, wow. Well, that's... that's but well, we're originally supposed to speak tomorrow as well, which is yeah, exactly so spookier. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was quite nice actually. Like I know that the past year's not been entirely brilliant for everybody, like especially on a wrestling front. But yeah, I, I'm still going to count it. 
I'm still going to count the 16 years. Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, we will speak about your your transformation uh, over the last year as well in a bit, but we'll, we'll kind of stick to your debut. So, according to the Germans at Cage Match, your debut match was against uh, a little just just a random guy called Drew Galloway. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, and Mike had brought him in. It was, I think, it was, it was Mike's second show that he promoted um, when when he came back from Canada, and he just needed somebody for Drew to hammer in a squash. And because at the time I'd been training maybe four, four or five months at this time. So I was I was way too green to be even thinking about stepping in a ring. But he just needed somebody that Drew could beat up. And it, it was me that he put in there um, in that spot. I was always grateful that I got the opportunity then, but it was actually, as a 16 year old, I was really nerve wracking to actually be performing in the first place. And because wrestling was a, a much different place back then than it is now, like it was so, e- even compared to like in the the sort of like two thousands when it was like closely guarded, it was still fairly closely guarded. There was what two schools in Scotland at the time, like Mike School and um, BCW had a school as well. I think maybe SWA actually. So there was only the three schools in Scotland at the time. Uh, so it was one of those things that it was just so overwhelming to, to actually be in there. But yeah, I'm glad that I got the opportunity to do it. And, and, and Drew's done all right for himself, uh, I suppose. Uh, you know, yeah, he has. Casual WWE champion two times now. Uh, so back to the, to the start of training then. Do you have a, did you have a bit of a sports background? 16, I'm assuming you, you played football, things like that, or is there a bit more athletic rugby, anything like that? No, not at all. <laughs> like I used to, I used to just lift weights in the the gym at school. Um, I didn't play football. I was actually, I didn't actually start watching football until about two thousand and two thousand and six, maybe. So like, no, it was two thousand five. It was uh, Josie Mourinho's first season in say in England, and that was when I first started watching football. So I'd actually been watching wrestling longer than football at that time. So as such, having never watched football and never really played football until then, I was absolutely horrendous at it. So I just didn't play it at all. So, yeah, lifting weights. And I did a little bit distance running as well at school, but nothing like on a, a competitive level. It was just what we did in, in uh, physical education. Mm-hmm. Uh, hockey, smacking each other with sticks. That's pretty much what I remember from PE. Uh, so... Was W3L, were they ring straight away or was it initially mats you were on? Uh, we were on mats for a good, probably a year, year, two years. Um, we were in like a, a little porta cabin type thing and it was just judo mats, like 12 judo mats on a floor and we just had to wrestle on that. So we didn't learn with the ring originally. We only got that in 2006, I think the ring came. So, I mean... Putting that in perspective on your timeline, you started training five, six months later, you're in a ring. Uh, yeah. So was that just the morning you got to have a, a wee feel of it? Or was it was the fact that you you were just like, no, you're not getting anything in here. You're just bumping. <laughs> just don't no, worry about it. <laughs> well, before the, before the show actually took place, we all got an opportunity to learn to run the ropes and things like that. But in, in my match, it wasn't really even a, a necessity. I was literally just getting my ass handed to me. Uh, so what was your first experience of just the, the, the bumping, the drills? What were your initial thoughts? Was it like, ah, this is a bit scary? Well, or? well no, I, I was always really quite willing, just up for really just uh, anything when it came to training. I was always quite a shy teenager um, and had quite a lot of anxiety. Not, not that I knew it back then, but looking back retrospectively, I could see that that's where it was. But I'd made sort of a decision myself that when... I went to wrestling training. Anything that people were asking for volunteers for, I was always going to volunteer for it because I wanted to do it. And I think to put it in perspective, the first day that Mike opened his school, we had, I think there was like between 25 and 30 guys that turned up to that session. By the next week, there was maybe 12. And by the week after that, there was six of us. And that, that was it that was left. It was just too hard. People didn't like bumping on the mats. People didn't like that it was there was no ring. I think that was the big appeal for a lot of people. A lot of people thought there was going to be a ring there, and there wasn't. It was just mats to learn. 
So I think it was just so hard because the floor had no give at all. You were, you were on a, a floor that had a big wooden beam underneath it, so there was no bounce, no nothing. It was just mats. Um, so, yeah. Uh, do you remember anyone else? Is anyone in that last six still around, or is this yourself now? Uh, no, no, just me. Like from the first from the first session, it's only me that's left. Everybody else has fell away by the wayside. Like a lot of them had, had, had they did wrestle on after that. Like I think there was a few that wrestled up until maybe about two thousand eight, two thousand nine, but they all left for family reasons or just didn't want to do it anymore. So yeah, out of the the original WTL guys, I'm the only person that was at that first training session that's still wrestling today. So, so you can, other than Mike, of course, who ran it, um, you're, the, you're the only one you could definitely say that you're a W3L original. Uh, 100%. And then, but then you've got, like, maybe a, a few months after that, you've got Sarah, um, Sarah Marie Taylor that joined, and then you've got uh, Kevin Purdy, Kevin Williams. He joined as well not long after that. So all of us were there within the first year of W3L being opened. Uh, it was just because it was nearby initially, or just oh, because you said you're in Fife. Um, so was, was that the appeal? It was it was near. Uh, you didn't have to travel all the way down to Manchester, uh, and you yep. got to at least give it a go. Exactly, and I thought, well, I'll give it a try and I'll see how I get on. I was like, and if it's a fun hobby, then it's a fun hobby. Um, so I mean, we'll discuss your first match. We'll, we'll forget that one for a moment. We don't want to say forget about it entirely because it was against Drew Galloway. But uh, so, what was your first actual match you got to do things in? First actual match that I got to do things in. Hmm. And you did That's say before you did say beforehand your memory is shocking. So yeah, it's shocking. I was in. I'm pretty sure that the sort of next like sort of big thing that I did was as Matsuo Kazuma. Like um because I, I like I was there was a there was a little pause where I'd got injured and I was away from training for a little bit so I couldn't do too much. And then when uh, I got came back from my injury, Mike had got another guy to do the Matsuo Kazuma gimmick. But um he was he was struggling a little bit and needed a wee bit further training. So Mike asked if I would take it on. And just seen it as an opportunity to get extra extra bookings, extra work. I just thought I would do it. And it was probably just the sort of Matsuo Kazuma stuff after that. I think me and you and G-Maki tagged for a while as, I think they were called the Cartoon Heroes. He was uh, himself. And then I was like the mass Japanese guy. So, yeah, we did a couple of like tag team matches with things like that. Uh, and of course, you went on to tag with with you quite a bit uh, as Disco Biscuits. Um, yeah, that came that came not long after that. So, so what was it like teaming with with you? And of course, uh, before the world ended, uh, you guys reunited. Uh, but what was it like initially teaming with you? It was good because at the time he was kind of floundering as to what to do in wrestling, and I was the same. Like we were, we were both looking for like your first sort of proper gimmick that we could use, that we could actually work everywhere with. And um, he was such, he's such a creative mind that it was good to be able to work with someone that had the same sort of work ethic and sort of understanding of wrestling as I did. So, yeah, I, I was brilliant. I opened a lot of doors and a lot of opportunities from there um, with the Disco Biscuits to actually go elsewhere, like going to SWA to wrestle there and also work in W3L. Um, so you said before that you're you're quite shy and a bit introverted and all that kind of stuff. So um, did you find wrestling, it was just totally different? A lot of people say as soon as they, you go out the curtain, it just clicks and that's you. You're a character. Did you find any difficulty uh, expressing yourself in the ring? Um, yeah, I, like I even still, I still do now as well. I think, you know, you see football players, it's always described that they need like an arm around their shoulder and they need that little bit of confidence. Like they've got all the ability in the world, but they just need a little bit of confidence put into them. I think that I'm very much one of those people. Like sometimes if I'm a little bit low in confidence, I could make a lot of mistakes that I wouldn't usually make. So I think the past year, past couple of years has been trying to get my mentality better and trying to not focus too much on perfection and beating myself up over things. 
So with wrestling, I think that's been one of the biggest challenges for me is trying to get over that while still performing in the ring as well. I think if I remember rightly, I could be totally misremembering it though, but um, you, you put up a little bit in uh, one of Looking Sharp's dojo uh, bits, pretty much saying that you, you did, you were, you were chasing that perfection and because of that you didn't think um, that you, you kind of talked yourself out of going other places or trying to go to other places because you didn't feel like you'd you'd uh, were good enough kind of thing. So is, is that pretty much been your, like you said, that has been your last two, two three years of just kind of pressing that bit? Yeah, I think, I, I wasn't in so many words, but yeah, it was basically just, you often hear about people saying that they sleep on people, like like people don't know about people or people don't give people a chance. Sometimes you don't give yourself a chance because you're too busy getting caught up thinking that you're not good enough to try to go elsewhere or that you convince yourself that it's just a hobby, so you don't need to, you just need to be comfortable where you are. But in reality, like, I really wanted to do a lot more. And I was just trying to, you just put up, like, all these blocks, uh, trying to stop yourself doing something or making excuses to do something. And I wanted to stop that. And that's not just, like, in a wrestling thing. That's just, like, in just in general. Like, I'm terrible for doing it. And it's just something that I've been trying to work through myself, just to, to not be so hard on myself, to actually think that I might be good enough to actually do something else in wrestling other than what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, absolutely. Try, sorry, here we go. I was just saying, just learn to try and take a chance on myself for a change. Yeah, I was just saying, I'm absolutely in with that. I mean, not, not so much in the actual wrestling bit because I'm not a wrestler, but um, since starting this podcast, I've, I've, I was in that kind of boat where I go, oh, I can't, I'm not going to get so-and-so because they're too big of a name. They're, they're too, too, uh, uh, high profile, they're going to speak to me. And the last couple of weeks, it's been a case of, right, I'll try. I mean, I've had none of them reply to me, but it, it's, it's, the, it's the trying, I suppose, is the, is the important bit in all of this. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's just getting that confidence and yeah, believing in yourself. Um, were you a big belt guy growing up? Did you like to, because I know you got your first title, I've got here 2009. Uh, with the Disco yes. Biscuits uh, tag team title. Uh, yes. Was that a big moment for you? Yeah, definitely. Anytime that any promoter wants to like put some trust in you to actually be the, the forefront of any division they've got, it's always something that's, that's brilliant. It's a good feeling to actually have that sort of trust put into you. Um, but I wouldn't say that I'm a massive belt guy. Like, I don't think that everybody needs a belt to get over. It's a beautiful prop to have in promo pictures and things. But I think you can be just as important with the belt uh, and without the belt. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I was looking through like people you faced uh, in the first couple of years as a tag team and singles, and um, it's pretty much a who's who of, of like, Noob Dar, uh, Demo, of course, and now yep. Killian Dane, uh, Jackie Polo, Coffees. Um, did, did you find that, that even though they were still in like the, the the young part of their career, however you want to put it, um, did you see something in them? Did, did they teach you something at the same time, or is every match a learning experience? I think I think the biggest thing that you learn for all the guys like that is just how much they actually want it and how you can take yourself seriously, but you should be taking the business seriously as well. All those guys have done absolutely amazing to get where they've went, especially guys like, I'm especially Noam, because Noam's like really, really talented, but he's the smallest guy out of everybody you've just mentioned there, and he's done amazing to go with the Cruiserweight Classic, and then now is a regular feature on NXT UK, and that's a guy that put in so much work to get where he needed to be. And I think that de- definitely being critical of myself as something that I've done far too long is take myself seriously, but not actually taking the business seriously, not, not taking it as a business, but taking it more as a hobby. And I think when you start thinking it as a hobby, you start thinking it's it can be picked up and dropped whenever you want. And realistically, that's not how I want to look at wrestling. So 
yeah, that's the biggest thing. All those guys got to where they wanted to be because A, they were good, and B, they were professional and wanted to get. Mm. So, yeah, so they, they uh, put the both together and as, yeah, treat it as a business as opposed to uh, just a thing to do. Um, yeah. Right, so after after Disco Biscuits, um, I could get my timelines incorrect here, but I've got you down as the Reaver at that yep. point. Am I remembering rightly that it, it was Rabid Beaver was the combination of Reaver? I seem to remember that. It could have been an Alan Grogan thing on Clash of Titans that he, he was saying, but what was the, what was the thoughts behind the, the name, the Reaver? Oh, well... I just needed, uh, I was looking to be more serious, like Mike wanted to turn me heel and I thought, well, I can't be a dancing disco guy because nobody's going to take that serious. So I thought, well, I want to use my own name, like, well, my surname, which is Bryden. And the Taylor part is my dad's surname, my dad's adopted. So his surname before he was adopted was Taylor. So I took the Taylor and the Bryden and made it my name. And then when you actually Google where the Bryden name comes from, it comes from like the borders in Roxburgh Shire. And once upon a time, there were highway bandits down there called the Reavers. So when you go down to the borders, there's pubs called the Reavers. They've got a rugby team called the Reavers. And it's basically just like a bandit. And also it was mildly inspired by um, Firefly, where the, the main villains are called the Reavers as well. So Alan Grogan sold me a dud uh, <laughs> with that comment. Yeah. Uh, but speaking yeah, of Clash of Titans, uh, you, you had a match against Martin Kirby, uh, which I would say around about this time, I can't remember if it was before or after, you had a match with uh, Robbie Brookside. But I would say that's one of the one of the more experienced guys you would have faced at that time. Uh, oh, yeah. What was your thoughts going into that match, if you remember? Uh, I was actually quite nervous. That show was meant to be sort of like a... A who's who a popular guys from WTL and SWA and then there was a couple of imports in there because I think Johnny Kidd was in there facing Demo and then you had um, Fergal Devitt facing um, Joe Coffey as well so there was a couple of names that had been brought in and Martin Kirby was the name that was brought in for, for me to face and at the time like do you remember the wrestling channel oh yeah it was like the wrestling channel was at, I think it was just after the wrestling channel had finished but Martin Kimmy was one of those guys you'd seen a lot on that. So at the time, I thought, well, that's going to be quite good. I'm looking forward to facing him. Um, and it, it really helped that he's actually just a really nice person as well. So it made it really easy to actually work with him when we were there. And it was like sort of my first opportunity to work somebody that was a lot more experienced than me to actually try and learn something, which I, I really appreciate. It's like a, it's something that I haven't done a massive amount. Like, I think the lack of wrestling people that have made a name in wrestling has hindered my development slightly. Like, I'm going to be 100% honest with that. Like, you, to get better, you need to wrestle people that are better than you so that you can learn. And obviously getting the opportunity to wrestle Martin Kirby, Bobby Brookside, Johnny Kidd, guys like that were all great experiences. But I just wish that I was able to do that more to actually be able to grow better as a performer. Yeah, and again, did you put that down to you? You just not hundred percent being in, so you weren't putting yourself out there to go to other places to get that experience. You were just yeah, exactly that. Waiting for them I, to come to you. Yeah, well, I wouldn't even say was I by saying that I was waiting for them to come to me. It, it sounds a bit arrogant. Like I wasn't. I I got in wrestling everything I deserved. Everything that I put in is exactly what I got. So I was never bitter. I was never. Um, I was never annoyed at any stage that I wasn't getting anything because I knew that what I was getting was what I deserved at that time. And so it'd be, I'd be stupid to, to sit there and say, I deserved more when I wasn't watching my diet. I wasn't um, learning and progressing in my training in terms of in the gym. Like I was going to wrestling training and I was getting fitter in the ring. I was getting better in the ring, but I wasn't investing in the entire product, investing in me as a person. So it was just one of those things that it was what it was. But you're right, I wasn't putting myself out there. I wasn't making a CV. I wasn't making an effort to try to go down south. And I think that was in part because I just didn't think that, like, I didn't think anybody's going to book somebody that was looking the way I did at the time or 
that didn't have a fully fleshed out gimmick. So again, and it's just a learning experience. It's just something that I sat there with and I could have done more with and I didn't. I mean, I think you started at an age where it, it can be a marathon, not a sprint. So you, you're picking up these bits of the puzzle as you go along. That's yeah. I've just I've just mangled two analogies in that. But uh, yeah, you're picking up these little pieces as you go along. My first experience of seeing uh, Taylor Bryden, though, would have been 2012, uh, which would have been the Elgin leg of whatever tour. It wasn't Wrestling Showdown at the time, but the W3L tour. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, I, I, it was weird because uh, they put up all the matches last year from it. So I was like, oh, I'm definitely going to go and watch this. I absolutely, I, I totally forgot this match happened. And then I watched it with new eyes and it was the best match on the show. Uh, it was yourself against CJ Hunter. Um, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it was. It was so. I don't know if it, when I watched it at the time, I was because I was quite new to this whole landscape of Scottish wrestling, British wrestling. Um, that I was, I was there for the the funny bits. I was there for for UNB and Silly and all that kind of stuff. And uh, although I hated inflatable hammers, I still do. Um, which I, I told Mike that, and I felt really bad for saying it to him directly. I hate, I hate them. Um, I know why they're used, but I still think they're just awful. And you got the brunt of them, uh, if I remember right. Like, that day. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'd sold so many of them as well, and the kids absolutely hammered with them. And they're not sore if you're just getting hit a little bit, but when you've got like 10 kids around you, leathering hammers at you, they could get a bit stingy. Oh, I watched kids turn it, and so they were hitting you with the claw end. And I thought, that's just psychopathic. That's just, yeah, why, why are they doing that? Uh, anyway, so. Um, so that's a bit of traveling then. So is, is there any uh, particular memories or, or stories that are clean uh, or that you can tell uh, that, that you remember of doing those kind of tours? I used to love the the Northern tour because you would go up and it'd be four shows, three days, and you would just have a great laugh. Like you would be in a, we used to stay in Inverness in one of the hostels and we got an entire room to ourselves. So we would have like maybe 13, 14 of us in the one room and it would just be just brilliant, good fun. Like I was never one for going out. I'm not much of a drinker at all. So you, there'd be a selection that would go out for a couple of drinks. There'd be a selection that would go for takeaway food and there'd be the rest of us that just kind of sat and just kind of chat, chat rubbish. Um, but yeah, it was always interesting. Um, actually, I think you've just said that you think the first time you seen me was in 2013, 2012? 2012, yeah. I, I think you maybe seen me before that because I think I was the Bulgarian baker the year before. The 2012 was the first W3L uh, show I went to, so it must that was only the second show ever. I didn't even know W3L came to LD at that point. So, oh, um, okay, so I must have asked him that I was a baker. I was... I'm, I'm starstruck because I love the baker. I don't know if you know that. I, I love the ball baker. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I shouldn't. I shouldn't enjoy it. Um, I right, so oh, be the next year. Yeah, because the baker changes each year. Uh, it does. Yes. Yes. Yeah, depending on on his particular diet of bread, that particular moment in time. Um, I mean, I didn't mention it when you were saying you're uh, Matsu Kazuma, but what was it like working under a mask? Um. I actually quite like working on the mask, as, as long as the mask fits. Like sometimes if you've got a mask that doesn't fit, it can cover your eyes and it becomes a nightmare to try and see. There was one time I was in Fraserborough, I was doing a, a charity show for, oh, what was his name? I can't remember. I was doing a charity show for a guy that, Jason Rotanda, that's it. Oh, I was doing wow. a charity show for Jason Rotanda and I was wrestling, um, I think it was Martin Stallion, and he punched me square in the nose as I was wearing my mask, and there was just blood pouring everywhere. And it was I was wearing a mask at the time that had like mesh eye sockets, and the blood was just going into the mesh, and I just couldn't see a thing in that match. So it can be a nightmare, but as long as nobody punches in your nose, it's actually fine. Uh, my, my favorite thing about Jason Tunda, I never saw him wrestle because by the time I started watching, he was gone. Uh, or yeah. it stopped. But um, I still remember going through Macduff and there was a sign that said, uh, train with former ECW star, Jason Rotunda. And uh, I saw it and I thought, I don't, I mean, I, I know a little bit about wrestling. I know I know Jason Arndt, he used to be Joey Abs. Is it 
is it him for some reason? And then I had a WWE Live. Uh, I used to get the DVDs, WWE Live DVDs, uh, when they came yeah. to, to England and that. And I checked the back of the box, and I was like, oh, he's against Van Sarcher <laughs> in, mm-hmm. a, in two minutes. And even funnier, right about the same time, my dad had also seen worked at the bins in Fraserburgh. Yeah. And he, he went, oh, there's a boy, boy at my work. He said he used to do a bit of wrestling. Who? Oh, I think his name's uh, Jason or something. Oh, right. This is weirdest. This is the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> so comes from Shackle. Yeah, exactly. So he's, he's gone from from wrestling Vance Archer to to uh, working on the bins of Fraserburgh. Uh, how it's just a weird world is wrestling, a small world as well. Uh, anyway, we, we kind of veered off topic for, with uh, some road stories. Uh, so, so again, any, any any memories, stories of of uh, shows up here or just um, just traveling? No, like not really, like because all the shows kind of it's more just the times that you're with everybody. Mm-hmm. Like there was one show that we did up in Wack that always makes me laugh. Um, this was a little bit later on. Um, we were in a six man, and me and Divers were on the same team, and Divers had forgot his wrestling boots back at the hostel, so he had to wear his trainers and his kick pads, and Nathan Reynolds had power bombed him, and his shoe had kind of buckled inside his kick pad. So it looked like he'd broke his ankle. Like, all of us were sitting staring at it like he'd broke his ankle. And it just turned out that his shoe had fell to the side. So his shoe fell off. And then Nathan had tagged Mike in. And Mike came to get him. So Divers was wrestling with one trainer on and one sock. And I'm, at this, like, I'm in tears. Like, I actually was crying. I was so glad that I was, my back was facing the crowd because I was crying with laughter. And Divers cuts off Mike and starts battering on his shoe at his head. Just keeps hitting Mike. And then he get, he turns around, he puts it on his nose. He's like, get that smell. That's the good stuff. <laughs> and all the while, he stands up and he tags me in. And I was like, oh, you are a, why are you tagging me in? I'm crying. So I'm tears streaming, absolutely crying. I kick Mike once and tag out because I just can't be in the ring because I'm, I'm just laughing too much. <laughs> oh, I could just, just imagine it. I, I know that, I mean, when, when the ones come up uh, a little bit f- uh, further down, my my way, my way anyway, uh, they can be riots. Just, just some of the strangest things can happen. Um, perfect way to segue into, the, into that, though. Uh, you, you found success later on in your career. 2017, I've got down here. I uh, know 2016. 2016, you won the uh, golden ticket uh, yep. ladder match, and you cashed it in on the tag team champions at the time, which were Games and Gains or Gains and Games. It was it was yeah, Jason, Reed, Jason Reed and Kevin yeah. Williams, um, and you end up forming a, a team with Dickie Divers as a contingency plan. Um, yep. Was Was there any? Uh, thought that, that you put with you divers kind of thought well, could become, become a team what was there any any input for that i was actually it was more mike like that group had like a couple of different iterations before i eventually settled on me divers and for a while james scott was also part of the 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 group as well um just because for different reasons i think it was originally meant to be a mikey whiplash that was in it um but then um, Mike changed it to BT Gun, and then he changed it to James. So there was always meant to be a group of three people, and I think we hadn't like I hadn't been doing anything, and Divers wasn't doing anything. So I think he just thought we'll just throw them all together, and we'll actually have like a, a sort of heel unit that we can use in different parts of the show. Like sometimes it was overdone. There was one Seven Deadly Sins that me and Divers were on, and I think. Out of the seven matches that night, me and Divers were involved in five of them. And by the time the the end match came out and we wandered out, you could just see people were raging. It wasn't even good heat. People were just annoyed that we were there. And it was just... Because we, we just practically just ruined the entire show by coming out in every single match. Um, and you end up actually feuding with Divers as well, uh, which... It's kind of the same. It end up you end up getting involved because I don't know if it, if we're speaking about the same one, but there was a uh, I think it was the Seven Deadly Sins that went up on YouTube that it was you'd end up costing each other moments of the whole show 
um, one or the other would be involved in the other's matches. Um, yeah. What was it like, uh, just that whole run? Because it seemed to be, you start shedding the, the Reaver name and yep. it was in that kind of transition point between that and tier, your tier zero stuff. Um, yeah. So did you find that was your kind of evolution, uh, that team, that uh, downfall and feud with divers? Yeah, it, it was just good to do because like, I got on really well with divers and it was just a good opportunity to work with them. Um, and th- we always knew that that's how it was going to go, that um, we weren't going to be a long-term thing. I knew that like, Mike was wanting to turn me face and he was always going to keep divers heel. Like we'd, I think we'd sort of patched potentially doing like me and Ewan versus Jack and Divers. Like that was like sort of as, as it was coming to the end. But then obviously corona, coronavirus has got in the way sort of that because that had been something that we'd patched that could have potentially happened, but it hadn't up to that point anyway. So, but yeah, it was, it was good to be able to work with him and it was good to be able to like win my first singles title off of Divers at Dunfermline when I beat him for the showdown belt like it was a good experience to actually even though I dropped it the very next night it was good to be able to work as a like have some singles gold yeah. I just wish I'd got more than one more than one promo photo where that was the mistake I should have got multiple promo photos oh that's, that's the key I mean even even myself it's got, who's got uh, belts out only one on eBay plenty of photos you got to get them all in as when you can uh, so from that point I mean your last so from that point, you actually started venturing out a bit more. You ended up in a, a Dundee a couple of times for your sins. Uh, yep. You also ended up in Fair City Wrestling. Uh, yes. Their debut show, if I remember rightly. I think you've been on. No, I, d- I d- wasn't at their debut show. I was at their, the next two shows after that. So they ran their first show, which I think that night I was working at W3L. I think they were on the same night. I'm pretty certain they were on the same night. I might be wrong. But, yeah, yeah. Um, so I ended up on the second show tagging with Tommy Cross against Omar Muhammad and um, John Alpha. And then the next ma- the next one was Lewis Gervin versus me versus Luke. Of course, I do remember that. That's I remember that second one particularly because it was just everyone was kicking each other pretty much. <laughs> it was it was quite a hard hitting match. Um, so that that's kind of a, a place that you're kind of trying to sink your teeth into. Uh, outside yeah, of W3L. Um, what was it like going in front of a, a non-W3L crowd? I mean, it's not something you would have done too often, being kind of W3L mainstay. Um, was it like going in front of a new crowd? Um, good. Like, a, a crowd's a crowd. Like, even when you're in W3L, it's not like you go out expecting anyone to actually know you anyway. Like, you do get your regulars that do come to shows. Like, there are people that you'll see year in, year out, but you don't go out expecting them to know you anyway, so you just treat it the same, just treat it like um, that you've got to prove yourself and show everybody who you are in that moment, because like there's a good chance that 80% of the audience, if not closer to 95%, don't know who you are. Maybe recognise you for the poster and that's it. Yeah, I mean, I suppose uh, outside of, of those, I mean, W3 itself, they don't really run stories as much. No. They have a couple, the odd couple uh, that they run through tours or run through their wrestling showdown footage. Um, but generally, it's they're kind of like one shots and your stories that that show. Um, yeah. Usually, it's it's bad guy, good guy, then bad guy, good guy, bad guy from the first one comes in at the end, tag team match at the end, um, which. I was so I was so cocky when I realised that was the formula, and then the, the year I re- the year after that. Might change it entirely. I was like, it's ah, cottoned on. It's cottoned on. Yeah. I've noticed. To, to, <laughs> to be to be fair, he uses that formula up north, like just because it's a smaller team that runs, like on the tours down south, like Leeds and things that we do, and then the northern tour. I think he does more sort of like a storyline focused one, like sort of focused events in Fife and Edinburgh. But yeah, like totally, the the ones up north have definitely got a formula. Yeah, so as soon as I noticed it, the year after, there was like guys from, there was like Aspen Faith and that tour around about Aberdeen area, so they're, they could come through and, and there was a bit more of a, a story. There's still the Baker, though, which I'm more than happy yep, about. There's always a Baker. I, I will I will take 
I'll, I'll take uh, the, the usual formula if I'm getting the Bulgaria baker somewhere in there. Um, as just as the baker, as, as I finish up speaking about him, um, what would did you go through a, a character? Were your thoughts? Are you gonna put, did you put, I can't remember, did you put an accent or was there any particular thoughts going in as the Bulgarian baker? Uh, not really. It was more like, uh, I'm the baker this year. <sighs> so you just kind of have to go with it. Um, and the year that I was the baker, we had a clown mask. So I was instead a creepy clown baker that year. And uh, I made multiple children cry because children are scared of clowns and clown bakers apparently frighten them even more. So, yeah, that was, that was it really. Nothing really different. Um, I, I didn't really go for comedy that year. I just went for scary because all the kids were scared of the mask anyway. So I just kind of lent hard into that. I now remember that clown. Uh, it was, yeah, it was, it's the one that's been, I think you got more pictures as the Bulgarian baker in that mask than you do with the wrestling showdown title. Because I know there's a good, few about, good, good few about there, there is, that there mask. Is, there is a lot, there is one photo with the, the showdown belt and I think there's a good five or six because in the match with, uh, I think it was Livewire at the time, he, he, his nose got broken. No, it wasn't broken. It was just, uh, his nose was bloody. And because I was wearing the white uh, Baker uniform, uh, it was stained in his blood. And then the next year, because we thought the blood looked so effective, we bought a new one and we just stained it with, like, fake blood instead. Yeah, uh, this is all coming back to me in, in yep. all its bakery glory. Um, that was my year as a baker. I just, I just modelled my baker on the great Muta and was just walking beautifully around the ring. I think that that's a comparison that may only ever be said on this podcast. <laughs> the Bulgarian Indeed. baker and the great Buddha. Um So before before we move on to, to I guess, your, your, your transformation last year, uh, any memories uh, with the Tormentor? He seems to be a, a big favourite in WTL. Um, he, he's a massive favourite. I think he should be a massive favourite in just Scottish wrestling in general because he's just such a, a lovable person. Um, but yeah, He's a good guy, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what the Tormentor does out of his mask and with just his normal face, just out as a, as a baby face. I'm, I'm still putting my money on wanting to see the Tormentor against uh, that that uh, that Roderick Jones. Uh, yeah, it might happen one day. And then maybe. you've got Roderick Jones' brother, Jamie Jones, refereeing at the same time. There you go, and uh, I'm, I'm sure the baker will be hanging about. Uh, there's something, there's a glint in his eye last last uh, time I saw him um, that, that give, give me the tip off that he may, may be a, a, a tormented soul. Uh, right, so the last the last year or so, you've went from not having the, the ripped physique to suddenly these pictures turned up on, on, on the interweb. Um, you put them up, obviously, not some sort of creepy leak thing. But uh, of of you looking to steal a phrase from looking sharp, ripped and jacked. Uh, how? Why? Uh, to talk about talk about how you you transformed yourself. Um, it's not really a transformation. It was just I I'd always been to the gym and I'd always been training, um, but I just sort of focused the shift in my training and. More importantly, like focused uh, shift for looking at training to nutrition because I, I was always under that impression that you could always out train a bad diet. And I just I just simply came to the realization that you can't. And I really, really just wanted to shift some body fat and hopefully just look a bit better in spandex. That was my original goal. So I went and suck out the help of a, a guy called Neil. Uh, in versus out nutrition and what he done for me is he set forward sort of calorie goals and a calorie deficit and I just stuck to that and within the first four months of doing it I'd lost 25 pounds um, I'd lost 25 pounds in four months and then we went on to like a maintenance phase so I was 175 pounds but in my maintenance phase I was still eating more calories, but I was still burning off enough that I lost another 20 pounds after that. So I ended up sitting at, um, I ended up sitting at 156 pounds at my lowest. 
and that was from at the start of last year when I was 211. So I'd managed to lose a, a fair amount of body weight. And in that time, I'd also managed to put on a, a good amount of muscle mass as well and lose body fat. So my goal for last year was to get down to about 17% body fat. And by Christmas Eve, when I got a 3D body scan, I was 12.5%. So I was dead happy with how my year went. Wow, I mean, you, you've certainly made use of of, uh, of lockdown and not being able to go anywhere by just, I, I, I think I put on what you lost during, during <laughs> lockdown and, um, during that time. So was there anything else that kept you occupied during that, that this lockdown? We're still in it, kind of. Um, during that time, or was it just kind of just working on yourself and improving yourself mentally and physically? Yeah, just, well, I'd kind of... I didn't want to get into like a, a sort of state where I was staying up really late and then getting up late in the morning. I'm quite an early bird. I like to get up at like sort of about seven most mornings anyway, but I didn't want to lose sort of a routine having no work at the time. I was quite scared that I would kind of not stick to my boundaries about um, about that. So I sat and wrote down like a little itinerary for my day and I would just make sure that I was training in the morning I was going for a walk in the afternoon to get my steps up and then I'd set time aside to actually not just watch wrestling, actually do some tape study, take notes and like look out different people to, to watch and get some inspiration for when wrestling eventually came back. Me thinking it was going to be summer last year but ended up still not happened yet. So that's just what I've been doing, just like tape study um, I bought a couple of books on pro wrestling, um, like uh, Mike Quackenbush's book on how to become a pro wrestler. Like, it's a really good training tool, even if the guy that wrote it's a bit of a, a door handle. Um, Perfect way to put it. <laughs> so, yeah. I, was, I was thinking what you were going to say, but yeah, that yeah, door handle. We'll go for that. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's kind of been my year, just trying to improve, get better. Get faster, get stronger, get smarter, get ready. I'm completely ready, re ready to be wrestling again. Uh, it's, it's scary to think. Um, I was looking at uh, just at the site, and as of recording, the Sunday just coming is, was the last show of the crowd in Scotland, well, yep. last wrestling show. And at that point, we were thinking, um, oh, it'll be two and a half weeks. That's it. We'll be fine. We're all good to go again. And here we are, a, a year later. I mean, I'm quite enjoying it because I started the podcast because of it, but I know that a lot of people are, are finding it a bit uh, more difficult because of things like unable to work and not having that yep. routine like you've got. I mean, this is my office. My bedroom's there. So I, that, that is my whole commute now. Uh, it's just going to the next room. Um, so tier zero then, but we'll get to... What was the inspiration behind that uh, character and, and name? Girl... I really like playing card games. Like, um, there's a card game called Keyforge that I really enjoy. And I also really enjoy Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, the trading card game as well. And I suppose in every card game, there's always, like, a top meta. Like, the most effective tactic available. And usually you get decks that are separated into tiers. Like, you get your like your tier 4 decks that are usually rubbish. Tier 3, uh, tier 2, tier 1. And then the best decks, the ones that win the most tournaments, are always tier 0 decks. And the same can be said, like, in Street Fighter, Super Smash Bros, you've got characters that are tier zero characters that the most competitive players in the world play as because they're the ones that have got the most different strategies that they can be used for winning. And I thought, well, I already play these games and I sort of understand the, the meaning behind them. So I thought, well, I'd make a good, a good character. So it's nothing based on the fact that Nicola Sturgeon put Scotland into tiers. I was tier zero before we were. I, I didn't know it was based on, on, on card games. I think I thought it was more like a, a Matrix video game sort of thing, but no, I didn't, didn't know it was it was uh, it was into the card games. I mean, I know there seems to be a lot. I think uh, uh, Omar Mohammed, probably Jetstream Jack, around about Scottish wrestling, are big into Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, yep. I, I I I like Pokemon for a bit. Uh, the cards, and then they got banned from school, and then I kind of lost interest from that point because they, yeah. they always got banned from schools. So uh, I'd be remiss if I don't ask. Favorite Yu-Gi-Oh card? Uh, 
favourite Yu-Gi-Oh. See, I play I play a deck that's not very popular. Um, it's called Counter Fairies. Um, it's useless, but I really enjoy it because it's you get to set traps for people to fall into. So it's a really strategic deck. So I'm going to go with uh, Air Knight Parshans. I, I don't know what that is, but I will I will take your word for it. Uh, if That's it's not, fine. Yeah, you don't, if it, don't have to know. If it's not one of the dragons, blue-eyed, red-eyed, I don't know, black-eyed, I'm, I'm kind of lost with Yu-Gi-Oh! entirely. Um, yeah, fair enough. So uh, speaking of Omar, though, he, he's put in a couple questions. He put, ask him about that delayed suplex. Yeah. Uh, so I was wrestling Omar at a... Uh, a sort of charity gala gig. We were doing like a, a a show to raise funds for a town's gala, so they paid us to come in and do it. And I was wrestling Omar on that show. Now, as you know, Omar doesn't have the the best track record with having clothing that fits him when he's wrestling, oh, like he's wrestling, like he's wrestling boots that one time. And he'd got he'd got new wrestling tights that they either didn't have a drawstring in them or he hadn't tied his drawstring. So I'd picked him up for a delayed suplex and I had to hold these tights and his tights started slipping up and up and up. And as his little legs are in the air, he could feel that something was maybe going to fall out. So his little legs were doing this. <laughs> Just desperate for me to drop him so that he didn't end up um, flashing the entire crowd. Um, yes, uh, you probably have heard my rants about what well, I only had one rant in writing uh, about his, 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 uh, his shoe choices. Um, but oh god, that's I'm so glad you asked me that. Then I also asked uh, also my first time floor pressing. Okay. So me and Omar train at the same gym, and often like we'll, we'll go to the gym together. Um, and I showed him how to floor press, which is just a just a bench press but you're sitting on the floor and I put too much weight on the bar for him so when he picked it up he immediately dropped it on his face and he was and because it was stuck in this position it was too heavy he couldn't get it off so he was just lying on the floor with a bar like luckily not choking him but in a place where he couldn't turn his head to get out of it so I said to him are you okay he said yes so I took a picture of it because of it was too funny not to <laughs> Oh, I, I, I would love to for both incidents. Uh, I would love to be the fly on the wall for that because that just so. So does he? Does he try and avoid hanging out with you now just in case that goes wrong? <laughs> you know what? It actually seems like that because anytime I ask him to come to the gym, it always happens to be busy. So yeah, I think I think I've scarred him for life. I, I mean, you only, you only did what you had to do was take a picture. Everyone, I mean, if if it was their way around. I'm sure he would have done the exact same to you. Oh, um, I expect him. I also took a picture of him when he did a squat and his trousers ripped from his waistband right through to his gusset. I just thought it was too funny. Yeah, I can see why he doesn't hang out with you anymore. <laughs> uh, so you said you're, you're, you've been spending your time other than, than uh, just losing weight. Uh, you've also been... been that sounded really bad when I said that out loud, but it's in the context of what we've already discussed. Um, yeah, yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, just for anyone listening that, that skips and that just says that. Um, you said you'd be watching tapes and uh, be more focused. Is there any any particular wrestlers that you've been trying to to watch specifically or, or any promotions specifically you've been watching? Not specific promotions, but definitely sort of like a, a, a specific style. Like um, I'm wanting to sort of move to a more sports-based presentation like something that looks a little bit more legitimate um because i'm not i'm athletic but i'm not like the most athletic guy like i can't do double springboard moonsaults like that's not my style and there will be guys on shows that can do that and if i can't do it better then i'm not just not going to do it so i wanted to move to more sort of a, a wrestling based style sort of catch wrestling so i've been watching a lot of a uh, tyson dukes's stuff which has been Awesome, it's been a godsend over um, lockdown because he's been doing a lot of sort of training and structural stuff, even things about psychology on being a mat wrestler. Um, so, yeah, we've been watching a lot of him. Uh, Jonathan Gresham has been another person that we've been watching, Drew Gulak, um, and just a lot of Japanese stuff as well because even though a lot of Japanese wrestling's a lot of strike-based stuff, 
and big moves, you do get the odd match that has got really good uh, sort of technical stuff, like uh, Yohei from Noah, uh, one of their junior heavyweights. He's been brilliant for watching and things like that as well. I mean, speaking of the, the people that you mentioned, I, I watched some of Tyson Ducks' stuff, um, and I remember when he was in TNA briefly, like the Super X Team Canada. Yes, yeah, I remember that. Uh, from again from the Wrestling Channel, um, from the day. Um, yeah, his, his stuff. So it seems so simple. Um, things like uh, racing yourself when I don't I don't know what the the move is, but when you drop down and the guy runs over, you know that kind of stuff. And he just lifts his body slightly, so it trips the guy. So yeah, that's, that's, of... that's what that move is. Like a lot of people, you'll see them, you'll see them do it. You, you get the headlock, shot off, shoulder tackle, and then the guy goes for the the sort of drop down or the sleep, if you want to call it that, and the guy jumps straight over him. It's very rare that that move actually does what it intends to do, and that's to trip the guy up. So it's actually one of those things that it's clever. Like it's, it's really clever because nobody does it. Like, I think me and Ewan, for a while, we used to use a, a double-team move where we'd double-whip the guy into the corner. He would feed out, and I'd whip Ewan. Ewan would run and do the sweep to take his legs from him. So we used to do something similar to that, but in the context of, like, catch wrestling stuff, it makes sense because you could use it to transition to your next thing. It doesn't just need to be a throwaway, right, quick jump over me. We've got this next thing to do. It can be something that you can make more of. Yeah, so it's like because it's it's much like things like uh, DDT and super kick stuff like that. The more it's done, the less impact it has. So definitely, we see something like that, and, and just the simple things like using the ropes to sell and just just little pieces um, of of just like I say you know, when you watch it, you think, why isn't everyone doing this? But it's because it's been it's it's so phased out that now it's coming back and it's making things all. All better. Uh, are you keeping track of things like WWE and, and uh, AEW stuff like that? Oh yeah, I, I, I keep track of everything. Like I don't, I, I don't have enough time to watch every single piece of television that they produce. But I always keep up to date with what's happening, and I'll always go back and watch something that's been reported as good. Um, but yeah, like AEW has been pretty good recently. Like their stuff on television has been brilliant. A lot of the good matches on it. Yeah, I don't know. Something about AEW, I just can't get into. I don't know if it's like a they're they're trying too hard in some ways, and I'm not trying hard enough in other ways. It's it's strange, but I'm I've I'm still WWE just seems to be seems to always grab me back in, um, and their their bloody Thunderdome, which I still seem to be dragged into each month. Um, thoughts on that kind of thing? If if wrestling was to come back, uh, but the but you can't wrestle in front of anyone and, they, and Mike just decides to tape wrestling showdown. Would that be something you'd be for or, would you, or do you prefer to have a bit of a crowd, a bit of an atmosphere? I think I could do either. I think it's good to have that atmosphere, but if there's a choice between wrestling with no one and it being found to be distributed on the internet and no wrestling, I think I would choose like wrestling in front of the, the cameras. Like it... At this point, it's been so long that I would just take any kind of action, like to to be wrestling. Yeah, um, I, I, when when this all started, I know there's a lot of wrestlers at the moment that are just like I can't watch it with no crowd. But um, I think even now, a year in, even they're starting to think. Oh, I mean, if I can if I can wrestle, then they maybe I'll do it for nobody. Um, yeah. So as I said, as far as, far as watching, you, you'd be studying that. Who would say who would you say your favourites are now? I'm assuming Jericho's still hanging around there. Yeah, Jericho's always been great. Like the, the Madonna of wrestling, kind of constantly reinventing himself to stay relevant. Like there's there's never been a guy in wrestling that's done so much. Like I know, like you got your Terry Funks that went from like a, a main event guy and the end of the era to a hardcore icon in later years, but. Nobody's reinvented themselves more than Jericho. Um, currently in wrestling, a lot of the guys that I've just said, like like I've been watching like a lot of Tyson Dukes' stuff, um, Johnny Gargano, like really good, Tommaso Ciampa, like as more sort of going back and watching like old takeovers and things and realising how great NXT has been. It's so consistently good since its inception. Like there's been so... Many good people in that promotion doing such great matches and doing such great stuff. 
like a lot of the storylines in NXT have just been so simple but so effective. It's like wrestling 101. And yeah, just been enjoying watching that sort of stuff. Oh, I, I like to say when, when wrestling's done right, it looks easy. And yeah, yeah NXT's uh, totally. pretty good at that. Yeah. Um, they never they never overbook anything. Like or it never seems overbooked. Like I know that they did a, a little bit there was a seemed a little bit convoluted way. Johnny Gargano and um, Tommaso Ciampa for a while, but I think that was necessity area injury rather than anything. But like that, Joe, usually it's just like paint by numbers wrestling, like just really good, simple stuff that works. Absolutely. And uh, as far as as goals, wild goals, who would be your, your dream match? Like, if if we're talking about, like, dream matches, if I could face absolutely anybody, like, yeah. it would be Shawn Michaels. Like, if I'm going, like, all time, like, definitely Shawn Michaels or Eddie Guerrero, because both of them are both fantastic in different ways, and you would just learn so much by actually working with the guys. Um, if you're talking about, like, in Britain, I would probably say that I would love to wrestle... Joe Coffey again and Noam Dar again because I would like to actually test myself and be able to do better than I did the first time. Be able to actually have more input into it and be able to like feel more proud of what I've left in the ring than I've previously experienced. I'm supposed to to right wrongs in my own mind that I didn't do so well the first time. So I'd like to go back and do it again. Uh, and it's handy that they're in NXT UK as well. So, I mean, that could be a, another overarching goal. But is there any particular promotions you want to get to, whether it's Europe, uh, America, uh, UK? I would, well, I'd, I'm not going to set my goals too lofty. I do definitely want to work more places in the UK. Um, that's uh, on the hit list for this year. It's something that I'm going to put a lot of energy in and a lot of effort into doing is getting together a, a decent CV with really good promo shots and attempting to sort of edit our promo package together and be able to try and work elsewhere down south. Like, I would really enjoy working down south. And if I can, I would love to work in, somewhere in Europe, like, just to be able to say that I, I've done it and try and make connections and see where I can go from there. In terms of Scotland, uh, I would love to keep doing my work for W3L. Um, I would love to work for Discovery. Um, if that opportunity ever came, then it'd be something I'd be really interested in doing. Um, same with progressing FCW. I would love to be able to represent the junior heavyweight division. It's somewhere that I, I can see me fitting into. And uh, I think probably if I can, I would love to be able to work at Reckless Intent as well as ICW if that's an opportunity to, to do it. It's something that I'm going to have to work towards. It's something that I'm going to have to put an autograph to do, but I think that I've got the, the tools and the ability to, to be able to push on and get it somewhere this year. I want to be able to get somewhere in wrestling that I can be proud of. Um, I, I don't know why, but as soon as you started mentioning things like Discovery, my first thought was Reckless would be a really good place as well. Just because they, yeah. they kind of have, do have a bit close ties, but and they have, they have guys like, uh, that. again, it, I mean, Tier Zero, we know it's, it's about the cards, but uh, they've got guys like, like Jetstream Jack and they've got guys like Alex Webb. So they're, they're kinda, they've got a little bit of a different style, but their kind of characters kind of mesh well and they could be something interesting with, with like promos and and, uh, and things like that. Um, and also, I'm noticing you're, you're using your social media a bit more uh, now. Uh, yes, uh, I'm, I'm making a, making a con considered effort if I'd known what I know about social media now, back in 2008, I would have had a Bible page dedicated to Taylor Bryden. But oh, man. it was it was not one of those things. It's something that something that nobody really did back then. Um, and the people that the people that were really good on social media have ended up being people that have done really well in wrestling. Because you need to be really good at promoting yourself, and it's something that I've never been great at. You need to be good at promos as well, and that's something that this year I'm making a concerted effort to actually try and get better at and not even like, it's not like I've ever not practiced promos but 
I want to have the opportunity on shows to actually speak in front of live crowds and things because you can practice in your mirror with facial expressions as much as you want. It's still not the same as being able to go out and actually speak to a live crowd and be able to feel the reactions from them and adjust your promo according to the to what they're reacting. Oh, I know from my very, very limited experience, uh, yeah, pro promos in the mirror is easy until you get a microphone and you have to remember how you have to hold it to your face and you can't exactly. move away. Oh God, I've had, I've had some, I've had one nightmare uh, doing that where I was supposed to do a promo and I, I wasn't told beforehand and I was like, right, you're going to do one minute promo and that's it. Okay, cool. So I had the microphone here. Don't, I hopefully no one screen, screenshots it to make it look dodgy, but I had it here. And yep. nobody could hear a thing I said because it was yeah. going that way. Um, and the second time I did it, I got to be healed. So it was great. I just called everyone smelly. Perfect. Uh, but so so uh, we'll get to social media in a bit so everyone can find out where you are. But it, is, it seems to me nowadays that the times have changed where you can't just uh, send an email to someone and that's it. You've got to have a, a CV. You've got to have a Google Drive. You've got to have a promo package, pictures, music. Um, and all that kind of thing. It's it's uh, it's great that this advent of, of having no shows is getting everyone now to a level where they do Zoom and they can learn all these these uh, little skills, which hopefully means once shows are ready to go, everyone's yeah. ready to go. Um, so before we get to your social media, I've got our, our two really stupid questions that we ask, um, which Omar didn't get the second question because it's quite new. But the first one is, what's your favourite dinosaur? I'm going to go with a very basic answer and say Tyrannosaurus Rex. That's, that's a classic, um, but you can thank Kevin Williams for that question. And the other one is it's fairly new. What would win in a fight? Two sheep or one cow? One cow. Do you have a reason for that? I feel that the sheep are probably smaller than the cow and they're going to struggle to get any sort of offence in. What I love about this question in particular is it's fairly split right now, uh, but the ones that, that say sheep are really impassioned that it's going to be sheep, because I think, I think cows, the general, it's bigger, it's going to win in a fight. But for those that pick sheep, like myself, are just like, no, it's definitely sheep, and here's why, and here's a big list of reasons for a stupid question. Um, anyway, but uh, that's, I think we've we've just about covered your 16 years in pro wrestling. Well, hopefully we've covered it enough for, for folk to go, they want to see more of Taylor Brennan. Yep. Um, but hopefully. where can people find you on social media? Um, you can find me at Taylor Brydon Pro Wrestler on YouTube. You can also find me at Taylor Brydon on Facebook. And I think my handle is Tier Zero on Instagram and potentially Twitter as well. Uh, it's tier zero TB, but the zero TB. is tier the actual zero. zero. Yes, so which that. is something that I'm terrible at. I will be getting promo pictures with those social media handles on to try and sell at shows so that people can see my things and they will to follow me. Hopefully, that's the plan. Fingers Sorry, crossed. Well, I'll, I'll tag you in loads of stuff before this episode comes out anyway, so everyone will definitely know where you are. Uh, but again, thank you very much for, for joining me today. Perfect. Thanks for asking me to do this, Billy. It's been a good experience. It's something I don't get a, a chance to do very much, is talk about my time in wrestling, and I've enjoyed it. So, well, next time I speak to you, hopefully wrestling's back, and you've had a couple more shots with that as a title belt, and uh, Perfect. we'll be able to get that in there. But great, thank you again. No, well, perfect. Thanks very much. Take care. Bye.